everyone, I'm Jade and this is On Their Way, the Titans of Tomorrow Today. I'm glad you're here with us because today we have David Oyon Pena in the house. Woo woo! I think his podcast, Thus After You, is one of the cooler podcasts I've heard, not only due to the interesting mystical world the show creates, but also for the fact that it releases episodes in both Spanish and English. You don't see that a lot. Now, if you haven't happened to have heard Dose After You, fret not. We're going to play a short trailer for you so you can, you know, get ahead of what it's about. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that transcripts are available at our website, wgcproductions.com. And do remember, this is a WGC production. I've always believed that all those romantic stories where you just made that special someone and the world just changes are just another capitalist scam. But our story is not one meant for Facebook walls or Twitter threads or big budget Yankee Hollywood movies. This way, when I find you, do you have records of all the times I thought of you? Isn't that romantic? I can't wait to kill you. You're a god. If I pray to you, would you like it? Is that what I need to do to see you again? It wouldn't be the first time that I'm on my knees for the interest. I look back at the rest of the objects, and I can hear the voices inside me, inside my chest, my head, my stomach. Read me. Touch me. Lean in. When I stare at the cup, there is just silence. When I wrap my hands around it, I expect the wax to burn me, but it is lukewarm, it's pleasant. I lift it, and I drink it, drink, drink, drink. David Orion Pena is a trans and bisexual man, psychologist, writer, editor, and horror fan. He works as a psychologist full-time and freelances as a sensitivity reader in Salt and Sage books, writer for short stories and podcast scripts, and is the creator of the queer horror bilingual audio drama Dos After You. He published an anthology book in Spanish called De Nombre El Hueso, apologies for my pronunciation, with short stories and illustrations by trans artists, a few comic scripts, and has collaborated as writer and VA in a few indie podcasts. Although he is currently dedicated to his psychology career, he has Dos After You's second season slowly in the making, as well as the show he's producing with Apio Positivo, uh, Positivio, an LGBT plus, LGBTQ plus Spanish association, soon to be released. Uh, welcome, David. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, good. Like, it's in the evening here. I've been working all morning, so, so far, so good. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad that you chose to spend your evening with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, nah, don't worry. <laughs> Always glad <laughs> to have a conversation. This is yeah. always super fun. <laughs> it is. Uh, and I can't wait to have it with you so we, like, we can really get into like your work and, and like who you are as a creator as well. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I'm just going to ask you the first question I ask everybody that comes on this show. Hmm. Where do you come from and where are your roots? Well, I'm from Madrid uh, here in Spain. I've been born and raised here. Um, I'm kind of a capital boy I it's incredibly awful how capital city boy I am <laughs> and well um I'm white Mediterranean I guess um but by all standards white here European um I'm a pretty lucky person um I have a nice family even when I came out and everything they had to readjust and they needed some time but they have always accepted me and they have always helped me do 
whatever I want to do. When I was psychology, then when I also started writing more seriously, and now doing psychology more seriously. <laughs> um, so, well, I'm pretty like, I don't know, I see myself as this really regular queer guy. I have a big, uh, like a big dad friend vibe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, th at least that's what, that's what people t uh, tell me. And, and well, where do I come from? I come from a Catholic background. Uh, Catholicism is really rooted here in Spain for a lot of uh, centuries. And I don't know, like, like speaking in terms of family, it's quite interesting because I'm like the queerest leftist person in the family. Mm -hmm. Sometimes can be a little bit tough, but well, I understand kind of the rest. <laughs> I'm trying to understand and find middle ground, you know. Um, but I've always, well, not always, but recently, and part of the reason that I create what I create and that I like horror is because I'm really intrigued in history and re recent history. And like, because in Spain, we had a dictatorship until um, 40, 50 years ago, mm -hmm. something like that. And you can still, like, I wasn't born during the, the dictatorship. My parents were. But you can still feel that. Um, and there's a lot of things and a lot of things that you are taught and a lot of things that you learn socially and culturally and psychologically speaking. Um, who doesn't have generational trauma? <laughs> so, so that's maybe why I write what I write, I read what I read, and that's what makes me who I am right now. And All right. That's where I come from. <laughs> All right. I appreciate the I appreciate your thorough answer. Like sometimes when people answer like they give like where they're from, but like you really did give like a whole sort of cultural background, which is great because a lot of that stuff I'm gonna ask you about because I feel like some of that falls into your show. Yeah. We'll get into it. But <laughs> but before we do that, can you just tell us like what your show is about in your own words? Ooh, okay. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> Okay, so Dos After You is a horror bilingual audio drama that follows Deck, uh, a trans man that, well, he's he's no good. He's basically a serial killer. Yeah, he is. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I, he's, he's, I love him, but ah, uh, like, <laughs> I also hate him sometimes. Um, <laughs> basically, we follow Deck as he travels uh, from the Netherlands to the UK. Uh, because he's uh, searching for a god he's fallen in love with, who's a seal. Um, uh, so basically you have this horror, queer, strange kind of love story between a serial killer and a god. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have like this landscape picture of the Netherlands, Belgium, France, the UK, which was also like something really fun to do, <laughs> honestly. Okay, so I'm just gonna like start from like the very beginning in yeah. my mind when I was listening to this for the first time. My immediate thought was, where did this guy come up with this? Like, where did this start? <laughs> because it's such a unique concept, right? Like, like you said, it's a queer horror urban love story between a serial killer and a god, which is like right up there when it comes to creativity. So, David, like, where did it come from? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say just one word, and it's gonna be like so, uh, like so easy to understand. Basically, I'm a big Hannibal fan, like from the okay. TV show. Like, I'm a big Brian Fuller fan. I love his work. I love what he did with Hannibal. Like, it's the show I rewatched the most. Like, I think I'm on my 10th rewatch, something like that. <laughs> and I wanted to write something, like, not exactly, obviously, what... Brian did with the character of Hannibal Lecter and Will Raham. But I wanted something like that from um, trans masculine perspective. You know, like mm -hmm. I have this story, the story I love, this strange dynamic that is love, but it isn't a good love, but it kind of works. But it's obviously like when we take ethics in, it's wrong, you know, but 
and not problematic. I, I love that stuff. <laughs> and not, not all, but you know, like it's not a love story, but it feels like a love story because it's mm-hmm. people falling in love, not in the best way you can find, but still that's what they're doing. Um, I really like that. I had been consuming a lot of horror for the last years. So, and I'm, I, we have like a friend of mine had this word in Spanish, but I don't know how to translate it. But basically this came to me, um, like I started with the character of Seal, uh, the God. I did a short story that was picked for a magazine here in, in Spain, um, Window Manuth. And I really liked that character. And I kept writing short stories about him. And then Vec appeared. And actually my first like the first podcast that I wanted to write wasn't this one. It's one that I'm actually turning into a book um, midway, uh, <laughs> like I'm in the middle of it. Um, but when quarantine quarantine and COVID and everything happened, I was just like, well, I'm lucky enough that I have like a mic in my room. I have time, uh, like a lot of time, <laughs> <laughs> way too much time. And I was like, I've been listening a lot to audio dramas, to horror audio dramas, uh, you know, like the Magnus Archives, obviously. I'm also a big Welcome to Nightwell fan. They came to Spain once. I think it was 2016. And I don't know, big fan, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it was just like, I want to do a podcast. This is something that I think I can do, even if just for me to have fun. And I did it bilingual because I have friends in the Netherlands. So it was just like, okay, let's do it in Spanish and English. And it'd be short so I can kind of do that. Um, and I started writing about them, but I had already written how they meet, which is like later in the episodes, like you listen that, you listen to that. And mm-hmm. I also had written how this first season ended. So I was just like, okay, so I have the beginning and the end of the story. So let's make an audio drama out of this. <laughs> That's really interesting. It especially is interesting to me that you came up with Sil first, since so much of the story does center around Deck and like his journey to go find Sil again. Hmm. And that is also interesting considering that you play Deck and like you didn't so that's something that's like happened after. Oh. oh that that does explain some stuff though. However, <laughs> I do have a I do have a question. So yes. specifically about like your role in it. So again, you're hmm. the writer, you're the producer, and you also play the main characters. Yes. I remember in an interview with Carol Minx, you told them that you didn't necessarily have a background in acting, like you didn't train in it. So I wanted to know, since like you do carry most of the dramatic weight for this entire series, how has your relationship with acting changed from the beginning when you started it to, to now that the first season is over? Well, a funny thing happens, and that is that maybe because, well, my main explanation is that I listen to a lot of audio drama and 90, 99% of it, it's in English. So even, I don't have much background in, in theater or in acting. Like I did a little in high school, but like so little. And I did <laughs> like a weekend on camera acting when I didn't know what I was doing when I was 17 or 18. And that's about it. But it is kind of true that I, been going like I went for seven years to singing classes mm-hmm. pre-transition so I lost it all kind of <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm not unfamiliar on stage but not as an actor um and I think maybe because I listened a lot <laughs> during the last year uh a lot to audio dramas I kind of got how to do it like I could imitate and I could um, work the character around and and play deck in English but I hate to listen to myself in Spanish because in Spanish I like I, I always say like I don't know how to do it in Spanish I hate the show in Spanish like well I don't hate it but I hate <laughs> myself as deck in Spanish I prefer myself in, in English um, so my relationship was kind of like at first it was for fun it was for me um, and then by the end, I'm like, I'd rather write. Like, I'm happy <laughs> doing some voice acting, like, in an amateur style for friends, for people who want me in their podcast, which is like, okay, that's your call. If you want me, okay, I have fun <laughs> with it. But I'm no actor. I'm, like, super amateur. And I was like, 
my boyfriend, my partner is act, an actual voice actor. So at some point I was just like, I know I'm like, like, this is not my job. I was just doing this for fun and this is kind of working. Um, but well, he was in the show. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. in the show. Um, so my relationship changed to, okay, let's do this for fun To I'm stressing a lot about this. And nowadays I'm just like, Season two is not going to be centered around it because I don't have the energy anymore, but you will listen to me here and there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I'd rather just focus on writing and like writing and directing and maybe just playing something small just for fun rather than just being again like the main boys on an audio drama. <laughs> like I, I don't think I'm doing that again. I don't have the register to do that again. Like everything. To me, it sounds exactly like Dick, kind of. So mm. <laughs> so that's how it is nowadays. <laughs> okay, so then let's talk about your writing then, since that's what you like really found out that you really, really enjoy and really like focusing on. So yeah. another thought, this is like the second thought that I had. My first thought was, where, like, how'd you come up with this? The second thought was, it's really cool that you're doing this in both Spanish and English, because I don't see that often when it comes mm. to podcasts. Like, I don't, I don't see a lot of bilingual podcasts. So then my question became, like, what was the writing process for that like, especially when it comes to translation? Uh, did you write it in Spanish first or did you write it in English? And if so, what was that translation process like? It really depended on the episode. That's something that is always like super fun to to talk about it because um, some episodes came to me first in English and then I translated them and some others came easier in Spanish and then I just had to translate. It, it kind of happens like the characters. Like there are characters I had to put a little bit more effort. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like for example, uh, well, now now I have a lot of lore about the gods, but at first um, I knew, like I had a lot in my mind, but I hadn't written that much. So the only god... Uh, in the pantheon that was like super easy to me apart from seal which is isn't always as easy f- to me as it looks like was Bray. Mm. Yeah, she's my well, favorite oh. yeah i mean Bray's <laughs> the child of my eyes i love them with all my heart um they are just amazing i just ah oh, they're so much fun um, i love their sense of humor but go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he like they are actually my guilty pleasure character like I love those kind of characters Mm -hmm. I wanted to have one of my own and I was just like it's my soul no one can like not like tell me what to do so I'm doing this (laughs) (laughs) well thank you thank you for doing that (laughs) yeah yeah it serves a lot uh but well with the episodes uh with the scripts it kind of worked that way I worked with two friends of mine who were like super kind enough like kind enough to help me uh my friend paulette uh she's a writer and she's from the united states and she revised the english um scripts ones that i had them and then my friend angel belmonte who's also a writer and a translator in spanish um he's a spanish and he helped with the spanish scripts so i would write i don't know like for example one episode in english i would kind of check it and then i would translate it it was kind of fun because because I had to translate it. It was like doing another revision and editing, but a little bit more harder than it would be just to read through, you know, because I had to think about what I was writing twice and in another language. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why, and, and there are things that change. I think I have a different musicality, obviously, in English and in Spanish. In Spanish, to me, it sounds way more dramatic. In English, it sounds more poetic. Either way, they are both like really poetically dramatic. So, <laughs> and then I would just like upload the the episodes. Uh, well, I would upload the scripts both for my uh, American friend uh, Paulette and for my Spanish friend Angel, and they would check each language. And what it was interesting is that because I had to write and then translate, um, I think it was like harder than just editing, you know, like you write and then you edit because I didn't have just to read it. I had to rewrite it again in another language. Um, 
I think I, that helped a lot with maintaining like, I don't know, the structure of the show and differences between languages that people have noticed. And I think that are also like super fun. I don't know, it's like hidden treasures for bilingual people. Like, why did you choose this? I was like, oh, I don't know, I, I wanted this, this work. It sounded better in English this way and sounded better in Spanish this way. <laughs> okay. Okay, so that's like one of the more technical elements. But let's mm. get on, let's get into some of the more creative aspects of the writing process for you. So when I was listening to the show, I could separate these the writing aspects into two definitive camps. The world building, mainly centered around the Pantheon. And mm. then like the, the actual characters, like mostly seen in like Deck and Syl and like sort of their relationship, mostly Deck. Kind of test, but like, like, like that. So let's yeah. start with the world building first. So like Syl was the first character in Alabet, probably the first god that you came up with. How did you kind of flesh out the world um, and the lore of the, of the Dose universe? Um, okay, so um, if someone hasn't listened to the podcast, this isn't that much of a, of a spoiler, but it, I, I kind of need to say it to explain things. But Seal, his full name is Silence. He's the god of silence. Um, it came to me actually thinking about um, the dictatorship here in Spain. Um, he's the god, he's the bastard, but well, still enough, the son of, uh, of death, of the mm. goddess of death. Um, he is the one in charge to reap the souls of those who have been abandoned, who have been marginalized, uh, who have been forgotten and who have been silenced. That's That, that, that was the, the starting point. And around him, I started creating, I was just like, well, if I have death and I have silence, I obviously need at least life. And... Even without thinking much about it, um, I named Seal the bastard of death. Uh, so I was like, okay, so if he's the bastard, there had been like children who are just like, you were like children expected or you were like, I don't know, you know, like you're kind of more loved, even if. Yeah, like natural heirs. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was like, okay, so I need death and life to have more children. Um the thing, like, Fe, Fe came to me relatively easy. Um, I thought of, of them. And then Natura too, uh, too. But Bre, I didn't even know how to name them because I wanted something that would work both in Spanish and English, but too long or too strange, or I didn't like the nickname. So it was mm-hmm. just like, it's going to be in Spanish and it's going to be in Spanish and that's it. <laughs> But um, I started fleshing out the Pantheon. Um, I think I can pinpoint the moment when I started thinking about the animas because that had to do a lot more with the story that I'm turning into a book. And it had to do a lot with um, the context of the place where I'm that I'm writing about, which is La Manga. It's a place, like a side, yeah, it's a coast town um, in the Mediterranean here in Spain, in the region of Murcia. I have been all the summers of my life there. And it's this kind of place that it's half abandoned because it used to be a really, really big touristic vacational site, but then Mm -hmm. it just went down. (laughs) <laughs> slowly through the ages and I really love this eerie air and vibe the place has that it's just like it's only alive in the summer and kind of like not many people live there through the year they do but you know these kind of places that are just like four times bigger <laughs> in terms of people in the summer and then people just leave and forget about the mm-hmm. place Um, so I was working a lot with the idea of the death living in places the um, the people alive don't want to live, and I crossed that with Seal and Deck, and then it just kind of became this world building, this 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 strange world that I thought a lot about, and then I just also I improvised along the way, 
<laughs> a lot of the, uh, like, to be honest, a lot of the Pantheon insight that I have comes mm-hmm. from last October, what I did, like, uh, a prompt every every day. And I have, a like, on Patreon, the people who supported the Patreon have it all, but I basically wrote a, a story that at the beginning you weren't really sure about it, but it's about the Pantheon. And I got all the family dynamics and everything. Um, and that's where I fleshed out mostly the Pantheon. And then the world building, it was a little bit before. Yeah, I had the animas real, like really pinpointed. I knew by the beginning of the podcast that there will be like in the background, you know, like this is something that is tied to seal. Mm-hmm. But it is not for this season, because this season is about deck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's interesting in the sense that, okay, so like you mentioned how you wrote short stories uh, that kind of were about, that happened in the universe, but they weren't necessarily, and that and that helped you to f- sort of develop it out. You also mm. talked about how like, some of the stories led into the book that, that you were, that you're working on. Is multimedia creation, like working across mediums, is that something that you want to do more in the future? I mean, it just, it sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, I would love it. Like, um, obviously I have the book there. It will happen sooner or later, I guess. And also the anthology book that I coordinated and that I have one uh, short story there. That short story is actually in the Dose universe. Um, sadly it's only in Spanish <laughs> and it's only in the book probably in a few years I would just like let it out at least in English um, but it's like you know like this big universe and you can connect some things and you can just learn like you can read the book and not know about the podcast but if you listen to the podcast and you uh, read the book you will be like Oh, so this is, oh, okay, this connects with this and that. And <laughs> I just love so much shows that are like that, that I was just like, yeah, it, it comes naturally that I want to do that kind of thing. And I would love to do multimedia. Um, at least, you know, like writing and podcasting, it's a bit more manageable than mm-hmm. doing something audiovisual. But I, I have a lot of friends, a lot of the voice actors that I have on the show are also like, actors, actors, and actresses. So I don't know, maybe if someone is interested, if someone is listening and they just have a lot of money going around and they want, I don't know, <laughs> to drop some cast and do stuff, I'll write whatever they want. Like, Well, not whatever they want, whatever I want, but we can we can do something visual about it. <laughs> okay, well, you heard it here, here, here first, folks. If you have money, David, you got <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we kind of talked about the world uh, to the characters then. Hmm. And it's it's interesting too because you're a psychologist. So like how did your background how did your professional background feed into like the the way that you developed your characters? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think I start first with archetypes and then I just start well, I think all the characters. I um you know, like every like almost every millennial I have a tarot deck. Um, which also comes in with the name of deck. <laughs> but I have a tarot deck and I usually assign one major arcana to one character just for starters, you know? Like, okay, this is going to, like, their main conflict are going to revolve around this. And then I just start, I don't know, thinking about the dynamics, thinking about what might happen. I think also, I think a lot about family background from a psychological point of view, you know? And mm-hmm. also, like, the human needs are, like, you can simplify everything into two basic needs or two opposites that are not that opposite. <laughs> like, people either don't want to be alone, like, they don't want to feel abandoned, or they don't want to be hurt. You know, we, we are either avoiding solitude or we're avoiding aggression or mm-hmm. both. You know, like they're not like they, they can be complemented. So I kind of work through that and what the characters are doing, how they complement each other. Um, I really like the dynamic between Seal and Tech because it's based on a concept that I took 
from Hannibal, but I, that I already love and that I feel quite strong with me, that it, it resonates with me, which is the um, idea of being seen, of being vulnerable, because I th it's super hard. Like vulnerability is one of the main themes, obviously, because mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to let yourself be vulnerable so other people can see you I can know you because you cannot you cannot tell people you don't know me or you cannot help me if you don't open the door first it's like you have to expose yourself and trust others that won't hurt you and they will some of them most of them I don't know it really depends maybe no one hurts <laughs> you maybe no one hurts you in your life and that would be like super blessed life but but you have uh -huh. to expose yourself if you really want to be known and you want to be loved and you want to be understood. And that was the main idea behind Seal and Deg. Seal has always been left, left apart. Deg has always have to uh, survive, get through things. And luckily enough, he discovered he could kill people and not feel anything about it. So why not get paid? I mean, capitalism. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> you do what you love and you do it well, you get paid and no. <laughs> and, and then they meet halfway and they're just like, you're not a good person or you're like by all standards, like seal is a, also like uh, a side of death. So they're both killing people. They're both not the good guys. And um, maybe that's also what the what connects them. It's just like I'm not gonna judge you because I'm even worse than you think mm -hmm. I am. So why not trust each other at least? I don't know for for the day, and we'll keep it going. And <laughs> and even if you have Tess, and I love Tess with all my heart, and she doesn't deserve half of the things that does to her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like Tess. Tess is just like. She moved on. She's just like, okay, whatever this guy's doing, I just hope he's fine. He isn't, but still. Um, <laughs> but the first person that takes, that gets to be honest with is Seal and the other way around. And so I I worked on that for the whole show. And then the Pantheon is basically family dysfunction all the way. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> yeah. deeply, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 and also uh, it's funny because all the all the voice actors and actresses that I have for the Pantheon so far, which are three, but still, um, they love their characters so much. So they were always asking, and and I don't know, like asking every tiny detail, every tiny question. There's a lot to say about Bray and Natura's relationship that hasn't been even hinted, like mm -hmm. even. But the voice actors that I have, like Luke and Matt, uh, apart from being uh, my boyfriend and one of my best friends, they talk a lot in character and it's super fun. Um, so that, that, like, that allows me to just see them interact and get a lot of ideas. <laughs> mm. hmm. Question, from the way that you phrased that, I just have a question. When you were recording the show, did you have all of the episodes already written or were you writing it as the actors were getting into the roles? And if so, how did that influence your writing process? I had um, the first season, I got it out. Like I released it in three um, three arcs, which mm -hmm. uh, every arc were like seven episodes. The first arc was written when I started recording. The second, I think I took kind of a month or half a month to uh, finish it because I, as I was recording the first arc, I was writing the second one. Okay. Um, the second one, I only had one voice actor, which was, uh, which was Luke uh, Natura. And then I think I did maybe two, three months, no, more. Um, well, at least one month or two months of um, kind of a hiatus. Because I wanted more gods in, and I knew I knew since the beginning that I wanted I like that I needed Bre, mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure about death uh, and and Tess. But then I was just like, ah, I want an episode about Tess because 
she deserves it. And then Death was like, I kind of need her also for the story, so let's have Death too. Um, so yeah, uh, it was, I, I didn't, I didn't have everything written uh, in the beginning, which is something I'm clearly not doing again for season two. Like, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to start anything until it, it's going to be less episodes. Longer, but it's going to be less oh. episodes. So, so yeah, I can, I can kind of say it. It's going to be seven episodes, but I'm trying to aim for 20 minutes at least for each episode. Um, and I will have all them written and everything because, uh, well, the the producing is going to be different. <laughs> mm. How how is the producing going to be different from the first season? Well, um, I ha- I knew since the beginning that it would be only be it would only be two seasons. Uh, that's kind of in the name. It's those after you and the first season. Oh, is, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first season is deck after seal leaves. And the second oh. season is going to be sealed after season one. And I'm not saying anything else. Okay. <laughs> Just in case. Um, so they're going to be different. At, I've, at first I wanted to do 15, 20 minute episodes. But as I started doing it, I just decided shorter ones. It was just easier to produce on my own at the beginning. But now because mm-hmm. I have more time, I kind of have more resources. I have more actors and actresses. Even roles that I already know are going to be like characters that I have for season two, even if it's not written, but characters that I decided I have voice actors already. <laughs> like you're going to be this. <laughs> and I did a little bit of cast- I did a little bit of casting. And... Um, so it's going to be seven episodes to maintain the seven thing around 20 minutes and both bilingual, obviously. So, well, in the end, it will be 14, but technically seven. 17, yeah. Okay, then that brings up an interesting question because I did have a question about the fact that aside from the last two episodes, essentially every other episode in the first season is under 10 minutes, which is interesting. And you also write short stories, like which is mm-hmm. what's in your anthology, and you mentioned that as well. So I was kind of wondering, like, why you were drawn to this sort of microfiction. But then you just said that you're going to do longer episodes. So <laughs> have you already started writing season two? No, I have a lot. Like, I have a lot of sketches. And I have a lot of a lot written about, but no script yet. Um, but I know what's going to happen. Okay. Um, probably, I still don't know kind of the ending. I'm still deciding. Uh, but that happened with the first season. The first season was going to end way, way more horrible, way more <laughs> than it did. And, okay. <laughs> yes. And it was mostly because uh, my boyfriend and Natura's voice actor, Luke, uh, Luke uh, Gonzalez, like he told me, you know, but actually it would be more um, difficult to write and more interesting if you did this. And I was like, Damn, you're right. <laughs> it's just like, okay, let's change that. Um, like the first um, ending that I had in mind was the easy ending. And this one was, this one is one that I had to think a lot about. But well, um, I think I like short stories on one side because I don't have much attention for longer stories and I, t- I tend to get lost. I have one book written uh, in Spanish, that is young adult, um, mm-hmm. you know, like romance, uh, well, heavily dramatic romance, um, because I cannot write comedy, I'm not good for that. Um, okay. <laughs> but, you know, a little bit dramatic, a little bit that. It's the first book I've ever written, and it was one, 140,000 words. That oh, was the first wow. one. Yeah. There's like a lot to cut. In this one, it's either I do little and I do it with detail and I do it knowingly or I start Mm -hmm. writing and I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like I just start writing, writing, writing and I I'm not good cutting because for me, everything is essential. So (laughs) that's why I try (laughs) to stick to short stories and 20 minute episodes is like kind of still under Mm, 30,000 words so I cannot get lost in that I hope I won't get lost in that (laughs) 
All right. Well, Godspeed with that. Uh, I hope you also won't get lost in that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, then. Okay, so I have some questions about like some of the themes that you brought up in the work that I noticed when I was listening, some of the mm. stuff that you said as well. One theme, like the first thing that pops up, well, one of them is like the theme of family. Mm. And it pops up with Deck. And I'm not going to give spoilers, but it pops up with Deck and some of the stuff that he says later on about like his upbringing. And oh. it also pops up with Syl. And as you've already mentioned, his extremely dysfunctional family. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wanted to know, especially since that you said in the very beginning that you come from a family who was very supportive and a family that you like. I kind of wanted to know, like, where did this theme come from? And like, what were you, what were your intentions with writing it this way? So even if that kind of family, I, and as I said in the beginning, I'm the queerest and leftist person in my family. So mm -hmm. even if I can find sometimes middle ground, I still nowadays feel like, like it's a strange, you know, to, to, to be in a family and not feel part of it. Mm -hmm. Or you feel that you are part of it, but you are not as alike as the rest of them are between them. So I could really connect that mostly with Seal, um, which is kind of fun because he feels quite alone and quite left alone. But, you know, there's there's a lot to, think, to, to say about between their siblings. And then with Deck, it was, I don't know, that was... Mostly me being like a serial killer, true crime. No. Yeah. Like I've like one of the reasons that I started uh, studying psychology was because I've been watching Criminal Minds all my life. <laughs> well, not all my <laughs> life, but most of it. Um, um, I don't always like the show. Obviously, it's like uh, you know, not not real psychology most of the time, but. I don't know, death Death is a theme that has always felt interesting and interesting to me from a lot of different points of view. And they allowed me to explore that a lot and also allowed me to write someone that first you cannot really trust. And I think I, I think I did a good job with him not being a reliable narrator. <laughs> yeah, you did, because Deck was clearly on some stuff sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> like, like one one of the, I'm not going to say, but there's one thing that you start believing at the beginning, and then you realize, or you think, well, maybe this is what he thinks, or this is what he's been telling himself for so long, he has forgotten what the truth is. Mm -hmm. That And that was one of the plot points that I, that I knew from the beginning, because it was something... That I, it is something that I really like, psychologically speaking, and that is memory and how our feelings and our emotions and what we want the world to be can actually reshape memories. And sometimes we remember things that didn't happen that way, but we have told ourselves that story so many times we started believing it. Mm. So that was part of the character of Deck. And I just... I just wanted also an evil quote unquote character that was a trans gay man. Well, bisexual. No, no, he was he's gay. I think I think that he's is gay. Bisexual yeah. one is is uh, seal. Like I just wanted like we're always the bad guys. Well, you don't even see trans masculine people, but <laughs> you know, like yeah, trans you really queer yeah. people. We're always the bad the bad guys or the bad people, but. From one side of the story, you know, you're always listening to the story from the point of view of the good guy, you know. But mm -hmm. what about, hey, I'm not a good person or I don't do good things. Uh, my job is awful, but I like it. And I'm still falling in love with something that I don't understand and I don't understand what I'm feeling at all. Uh, and you still like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes. And I don't know, with the family, it was... It was um, a strange and fun hmm. to I write could... the family. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for sharing. You personally gave me some things to think about as I write my own series and such. But um, mm -hmm. 
So thank you for that. Another theme that kind of popped up to me overall, and it, and it stood out to me because uh, I'm a queer person as well. And like, it stands out to me like in just queer culture and queer media, that like it's also a thing that just sort of runs through all of our stuff. It's like this theme of longing, even from like the very way that the series is framed um, as like both Deck and Syl longing for each other. And like this series being Deck, just having this continual pining and yearning, like even in episode, like even in episode 14, when he's talking to Natura, Natura's like, what do you want? And Deck's like, I just want to hold him and touch him. And like, I, the world is awful without him, like all that stuff. Yes. It was just such an interesting thing. So can you just sort of talk to me about why you infused this story with so much longing and so much yearning and like, and like how that's going to translate in the second season as well? Um, that's going, that's, that's quite fun. As, as you were talking, I was thinking like, if this were to be a fanfic in AO3, it would have like mutual opinion and idiots in love. <laughs> but, um, I, I really like that you brought up episode 14 because that was that, that line, that, that lines that, Deck has were probably mm -hmm. well not probably were the hardest ones that I had to do mm. and they I, I enjoy them so much and I don't cry easily thanks to testosterone sadly it's really hard yeah. for me to cry since I started hormone therapy and everything but every time that I rehearse that and that I record that my voice would break like all the time and I would cry a little bit afterward, you know, like like this is probably the most like the rawest moment that Deck has in the whole show. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you have this serial killer and, and he's saying, I just want to hold him, which is like that's so wholesome. <laughs> it is. He's he's he can be soft on the inside. That's no, that's the trick about Deck. Like he's he could kill you and is a cinnamon roll, kind of, like deep within, really, really deep mm -hmm. within, but deep within is a cinnamon roll. But no one has ever dared to see through the thousand knives that he has. <laughs> so um, about longing, about journeying, I think it's because something, it's something that I feel a lot. Not daily, well, kind of daily, but, you know, somewhere to belong, uh, people to belong with. Not, not only places, but also people. And I think it's a really wide human experience. It's something that we all long for. Like, it, it, that, that can be, it can be a person, it can be a place, it can be, well, I wouldn't say a job, but I don't know, it can be like a mission in life. In life. You know, mm -hmm. and and what connected me a lot with this longing and journeying through deck was that it is really hard to let go something like did like this once you've found it. You know, like once you found or you've had a home, or you had a uh, a person that was like a home to you or people and and you don't have them anymore it's like but but i need it <laughs> you know you have this mm -hmm. feeling of but you can't take this away from me i need yeah, this yeah who lets go of love yeah exactly it's like you will have a serial killer who has never cared about anyone but himself truly for all his life just throw everything aside looking for that and I think that's something really brave. And I, I hate the word brave. Uh, I'm trans. I've, I've heard it uh, <laughs> enough. <laughs> but this time I will say, like, I think it's something really brave because I think in another world or maybe through deck, sometimes I, I've wanted to throw everything aside and just be like, but I want this. And it takes a lot of strength. So that's that's a big theme. That's a big theme for this season because it's the change. The, the whole theme of the of the show actually is change. Is knowing 
that change is the only thing you will know that will happen for sure in life. Like change is the only thing we can be sure about. Mm-hmm. And still it's so difficult because we don't want things to change. When you're bad, when you're in a, you're not doing well, obviously you want things to change. But when you're euphoric, when your life is amazing, you don't want things to change. So, but things will change anyways. You, you cannot control that. So the first season is basically Deck, who has always been avoiding in some fields that kind of change, just pursuing that and looking for sale. And then Seal, who has recently made the first decision he's ever done, like he's ever, um, uh, the decision he's ever took in his life, mm-hmm. dealing with consequences, which is another side of changes that we will see in season two, because season one is mostly the desire to change, the desire to, like, the consequences that Tech has, he upsets like he accepts his consequences, which is also mm-hmm. what I really like him in the ending. But Seal has never had to deal with consequences. And I'm actually quite, um, like I really want to write that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting point of view to write someone who has never had to face any consequence in his life ever. Like, his tolerance to like his frustration tolerance has to be so damn low. <laughs> He's built so, up no coping mechanisms. <laughs> exactly. He has to learn coping mechanisms. And it's going to be fun because I'm I'm doing some time time swap? No, not time swap, like fast forward for season oh, two. Yes. So yeah. yeah, that's going to be also super fun. <laughs> hmm. Well, you like again, like you clearly have a lot of themes in your work, in this work, did they, did you know that's what you were writing about when you started or is it something you only found out retrospective, uh, retroactively? For example, change and obviously the religious overtones. <laughs> yes, like, very uh, much. <laughs> yeah, we're like since the beginning because the story really, like this is, what maybe I took the most from from Hannibal because it was a concept mm-hmm. that I absolutely adore and is this idea of I see you and I understand you and I know you. And then there's this line in Hannibal where it's like, uh, I change you and then the other one, like I think it, Hannibal says to Will, I change you and then Will says, yeah, but I change you too. Because, you know, like change is bi-directional. So I had this idea really present through through writing. And that's something that shows during all the first season, this idea of you cannot change someone or you don't change alone. So I, I really had that in mind since the beginning. Then some other things like, I don't know, longing, solitude, um, religion well our religion was pretty clear as far (laughs) i started writing Mm -hmm. about gods and goddesses so that was there but trust and maybe other themes but change was always there in the beginning and was always present when i was writing Hmm. and and how did your relationship with your own with your own uh experiences with religion and catholicism how did that affect the writing of the show well, it was super fun because the show was kind of a faith crisis for me. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I was raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic school for 15 years. and But half of those 15 years, I rejected uh, Christianity and I rejected uh, Catholicism. Maybe probably because I knew since little that I was obviously not cis nor straight. So maybe mm-hmm. I didn't have a place there. But recently I have close friends who are Catholic and who are like queer and Catholic and they like practice and they go to church and everything. And I still have a, a strange relationship with this. I'm, uh, for example, with Catholicism, I don't agree with the church, obviously, for most things. 
But I do agree with a lot of things. I really like the figure of Jesus and what he did. And because if you really pay attention to it, he was like pretty clearly a communist before his time. <laughs> things mm-hmm. like that, you know? <laughs> like he, he, he was on the left. He was on the left. Um, and so I like some things. I'm trying to reconcile with this. And a spirituality, even if I don't really understand it, um, I think I still don't understand it. It's something that I long for, actually. Mm-hmm. So this was kind also like of a, this was a, an essay also that I wrote to myself <laughs> in terms of religion. And through, mostly through the character of faith, through the, the God mm-hmm. of faith, I wanted to make it like when I created them, I did it like I did them with this idea in mind that was religion in itself. It's not a bad thing. It's what we do with religion is what we justify. It's what we like. We will do things in the name of religion of gods. And those are the behaviors that we have to stop or we have to, reflect about them but religion in itself the spirituality is it isn't wrong it is i think for me it's something really human Mm -hmm. something that a lot of people need something that generationally speaking i think there's a there's a lack of faith even in 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 each other even in humanity um in my generation, millennials, I kind of, I kind of, I have that, that feeling at least for the people I know, for what I've lived, for what I'm seeing, we are longing for spirituality, but we have decided that all the religions won't work. So we turn to BuzzFeed or <laughs> the not Zodiac, BuzzFeed. or we, we turn to things that sometimes I'm not saying in this case, Zodiac or Tarot, because they're actually also pretty old. But we turn our faith to companies and capitalism and productivity. And we get lost there where we could maybe, like, if you don't like the way a religion is doing something, but you feel connected to that religion, change it. For example, I, I feel, I, I like a lot Jay Hum. We, uh, he is a trans and gay poet in the UK. He's really Catholic. He talks a lot about being Catholic on Twitter, and I absolutely adore him because it's the kind of positivity and queerness, religiousness that I want around, that I would love to see more often, you know? And and I don't follow that much, but I've been trying also to educate myself a little bit on Judaism or on... Um, I know the, the name in, in Spanish, but in English... Uh, Islam? Uh, Islam, yeah. Yeah, it, it will be Islam, yeah. Because those three religions are also like kind of interconnected together. They're not the same religion, obviously, but they have shared history. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of queer people who partake in those religions. And I think for me, it's super incredible to see people, queer people in those religions trying to change things and to live their spiritual life uh, by also being themselves. So, I don't know, religion was there. I was <laughs> thinking a lot of <laughs> thoughts. I wanted to be super self-indulgent, and that's basically the show. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was very, very thoughtful. <laughs> that was a very thoughtful response. Um, I'm, I'm sad we're, we're winding down the interview. We're almost at our time. Yeah. Um, but before I ask you that last question, I'm going to ask you this one. What exactly are you listening to? Like, what's in your playlist? What 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 podcasts are getting you going? I must admit, I had during doing uh, those after you, I actually got into a severe case of work addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to stop. Like, I I really had to cut it, and I had it all related to audio drama and podcasting. So I haven't really listened much to anything until yesterday actually like this year I haven't listened to anything like re-listening to the Penumbra podcast 
mostly. I mm-hmm. adore Gino Steele with all my la- with all my life, all my heart. <laughs> I have I have almost all the posters <laughs> of every episode. Um, so that's one thing. Um, this year, I have to say, I got more into musicals, and I've watched way too many versions of Jesus Christ Superstar. So that's what I've been mm-hmm. doing. But mm-hmm. uh, I started yesterday the sealed verses. Uh, my oh. friend, yeah, yeah. My friend Marina told me like a lot of months ago, like you have to listen to this. This is your shit. You're gonna love this. Just and and there's like they have never wrecked me a podcast that I never that I didn't like. So. Mm-hmm. The other day, I was just like, I want to listen to something, and I want something that I know I, I will like. So let's let's listen to Marina. And I started the sealed verses yesterday, and I have like there's also in the background a big theme of water in Dust After You because I love basically I love water. I'm I'm a Scorpio. I love water, <laughs> and I live in the in the center of a peninsula, so I don't have the um, the ocean close, and that hurts me. So oh. I started the sealed verses. I've only listened to two episodes, and I know I'm in for life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've listened to that. I've listened to the Penumbra podcast. The last things I've listened to or listened to have been Caravan. I okay. absolutely adore Caravan. And what else? What else? Um, Chain of Being by my friend Kai. Also the Orphans. Um. And I really want to listen finally to Wolf 549. Uh, 315. Yeah, 315. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, 359. Yeah. Yeah, because I know I will like it. I actually listened to Time Bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Gabriel also did that one. And I absolutely adore Time Bombs. So I was like, once that I have the, the mental energy that I needed for podcast again, that's that's on my cue. But so right now it's mostly silt versus and I don't know, like, if you listen to those, uh, you listen to the sealed verses, I think it's this kind of so that you're going to like the other because they are, they have, like, s- similar things, uh, but in yeah. way different directions, <laughs> which is, like, the shows that have similar themes that does, but go in extremely different directions, those are my favorite because it's, like, I feel this, this writer and I'm loving what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can definitely understand why you're into the silt verses because, like, you you're into like religion, like the idea and concept of religion and water and fantasy. It's really mm. yeah, that's really on brand. Um, and, yeah, and also Desperado. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's also one of my favorite ones. A lot of God mm. focus. Yeah, it makes mm. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, now here we are at this at our last question. Okay. Uh, David, you're doing a lot. Like you started a really great podcast. You're already working on season two. You're out here publishing books all the while. You're like an act, like you're a professional. You're a psychologist. Like you're doing really cool stuff and like you're, you're climbing up the ladder, so to speak. So I just want to know how will you know when you've made it? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think maybe for me would be, I don't think if I if I want to make it. Oh, like I don't have in in my future on my horizon a place or a goal that I can pinpoint and say if I do this, I'll be satisfied for the rest of my life. I'm like as long as I can manage to have a house, settle a little bit down, still have a daily job as psychologist and I can write whatever strange things I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even if people don't listen to it, like I don't have to make it big. I, if I make it big, it's welcome, but it doesn't have to happen for me to be, I don't know, satisfied to be, to be happy. So as long as I have a kind of safe, uh, decent life and I can help others and I can have a lot of fun writing strange stories and strange love God things (laughs) 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 while having an income and be able to pay a rent and one day a mortgage uh, that that will be it for me 
like that would be it for me. Maybe, I don't know, in the distant future, having one or two kids if I can afford it. And they finding out that I did this weird podcast when I was, I don't know, 26. And maybe them liking it, you know, like, wow, okay, that is this super strange thing. Um, how? <laughs> that that would be probably <laughs> the moment that I that I say, okay, yeah, I made it. And if my, my kids or my family or my friends in the future, they don't like it, it's still okay. You know, it's like, okay, so I did a lot of weird things all of my life and I enjoy them. All right. That was very sweet. <laughs> um, okay. So can you tell the people where they can find you and your show? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. at, But basically on Twitter and on Instagram, if you type, David Orion Pena, David Orion Pena. You can find me anywhere. Um, and then the show is just after you. You can find it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on everywhere. Thank you for listening to episode seven of On Their Way Season Three. On Their Way was created, hosted, and edited by me, Jade Madison Scott. The theme was composed by Bajo Alvarado, and the logo was created by Amaka Corey. If you'd like to help us continue to make podcasts like On The Way or our other show, Retribution, you can support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. In addition to helping us pay for crew and overhead, you'd also gain early access to episodes and exclusive content. You can find the link on our website, wgcproductions.com. You can also show us some love by following us at With Good Co. on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and telling your friends about us. Next week, we'll be talking to podcast creators. Yep, it's a double whammy. We're going to be talking to Sabrina Rahal and Reese Patterson of the Signed Venus team. As always, I appreciate you for listening, and please take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>